0: Hello and welcome to Grazia Fashion Podcast, Why I Wear It.
1: I have a lot of jumpers that say things. One of them says anxious, one of them says socially inadequate, another says feminist killjoy. I'm Laura Antonia
0: Jordan and whether it's written across your chest or not, we all use clothes to express ourselves.
1: But today I'm, I'm wearing a rainbowy, happy face, so I'm telling the world everything's good.
0: Each episode, I speak to a different guest about the thinking behind their clothes.
1: And then in an attempt to wear something on my feet that is comfy, but I don't look too much like a teenage boy, I've got some very swanky trainers from Axel Arigato, which is a lovely Japanese shoe shop.
0: Today it's the jeans and jumper loving screenwriter Georgia Pritchett, whose credits include Veep, The Thick of It, Miranda, and Succession. Recently, Georgia published a memoir, My Mess is a Bit of a Life, about living with anxiety. Hilarious, moving, intimate. It's one of the best books I've read in a long time and I urge you to do the same. I loved speaking with her and I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome Georgia Pritchett. I'm so, so thrilled that you could be here. I absolutely devoured this. Um, This is Georgia's new book, My Mess is a Bit of a
1: Life. I'm very excited to be here and it is giving my friends and family enormous pleasure that I should be asked on anything vaguely related to fashion. So they've laughed like an amount that's impolite.
0: Well... Yes, they might laugh, but my thoughts are every single person gets up in the morning and puts on clothes, or they probably should, and I, just, <laughs> yes. and I just think that it says something about us to the world. It communicates something, and I always think getting dressed is a very fleeting insight into what's going on with them.
1: Well, my um, sister-in-law once said to me that I have a unique gift of making expensive clothes look very cheap, <laughs> and so uh i think she's right it's harsh but fair i enjoy getting dressed but i'm i'm a bit like i don't know if you remember happy days and the fonz and he once opened his wardrobe to reveal just a wardrobe full of jeans white t-shirts and leather jackets and i've definitely worked out not necessarily what suits me, but what I can bear wearing. And my wardrobe is full of jeans, blue T-shirts and blue jumpers. So uh, there's there's not much variety in there.
0: In your book, you when you're talking about writing for Rory Bremner, you wrote that his impressions seemed much more convincing than my impressions of woman who knows what she's doing, sane woman, girlfriend, woman not crippled by anxiety or indeed writer. And I folded the page, underlined it. I felt (laughs) we're all slightly doing impressions to the world of how we want to be seen. What impressions do you think you give to the
1: world in relation to how you dress? Certainly for a lot of my life, I did that thing of buying clothes for the person that I would become. and and then as i've got older i've realized oh i'm never going to be i'm never going to be that person so i can stop buying dresses and skirts for this sophisticated woman i imagine i'm going to evolve into so i think i've just sort of accepted that i just like to be comfy mainly and as someone who works with men and has two boys i just i don't mind looking like my children's mum but I don't want to look like the mum of the people I work with so I used to dress quite smartly for work but I just felt like I looked like their teacher or something they were taking them on a day out somewhere so I adapted the male comedy writer who who I love and know many of that is there is a sort of universal jeans and faded t-shirt with some old band name on its <laughs> uniform so I, I think I've sort of tried to get my my version of of that, but with perhaps just some reassuring kind of comfort and quality in there so that I don't feel that I have turned into a male comedy writer.
0: I mean, you just touched on it, how male-dominated the writers' rooms are in the comedy TV industry. It's quite shocking, actually, to read it now and... You say you were often the only woman in the room, which I think people will find that. What's the word you use in the book? Stagger blasting.
1: Stagger blasting, (laughs) yes.
0: I think they'll find it quite stagger blasting. Do you think that walking into that, going into that environment, affected the way that you dressed and portrayed yourself?
1: It definitely did. As I say, at first, I felt I was looking like their teacher or their babysitter. And it's weird not having another woman as a sort of comparison gauge or something. I think it can be good, but also bad. And you can't sort of think, well, she's wearing that. So I think I'm okay wearing this. There's no sort of gauge or um, level that you're kind of aiming for. And when i finally worked with other women which was uh, which was in the states and was after 25 years of being the only woman it was pathetically validating to see to suddenly find myself in this room with women who did dress a bit like me and look a bit like me and sort of have similar kind of life experiences and attitudes and i just it was so reassuring to think oh i'm i'm not wildly off the mark like i'm okay um it was really good for my self esteem and it made me realize what it's like to be a white man every minute of every day when you walk into any room or turn on the tv you know to see yourself reflected back at you is is very very exciting and encouraging and confidence building and there are loads of people who who never had that experience, and uh, it took me a long time to get it, but but it was really, you know, it made me realise what I'd been missing.
0: Um, You said, you write, <laughs> you write in, on writing, that it's the perfect job for an anxious person. You get to do most of it at home in your pyjamas. It is mm. utterly anonymous. When you're working at home, do you actually wear your pyjamas? Because I find I have to get dressed or I, I don't really get anything done.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do. I mean, I do sometimes stay in my pyjamas. Yes, I might get dressed, but it's it is a luxury not having to worry about how you look and just to be able to to have a commute to work that's just walking downstairs or opening your laptop. Um, So that's that's fantastic.
0: You just said it was nice to have a job, you know, when you didn't have to worry about what you look like and but it is something that you touch on in the book which is that as women it's it's really hard and you you it just comes through so beautifully in the book about those kind of insecurities I think that we all have yeah when would you say when do you feel like your best self today
1: (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, certainly, you know, being a teenager is so difficult, isn't it? And I I was racked with self consciousness. And it's interesting, actually, that I spoke to Caitlin Moran recently, who has a really, I was trying to troll her and make her and sort of tell her how weird she was, because she does, she has no sort of anxiety about her appearance. <laughs> And she thinks that's because she didn't go to school. I don't know if that's true, but she has a very healthy attitude and loves the way she looks and loves her body. And and I so admire that and wish that all women felt that. But certainly I did not feel that as a teenager. And I think that is one of the few ways getting older is good is that you – Hopefully, I mean, I'm not very emotionally evolved, but I have got to some level of acceptance of this. Okay, this is what I look like. But I wouldn't say I'm confident. And certainly, I do find things like award ceremonies very challenging. And there's sort of sexism there, you know, that men can just all wear the exact same suit as each other. And that's fine. And women have to spend enormous amounts of time and money, um, putting on incredibly uncomfortable things and being judged by everyone. But yeah, generally speaking, I, I think I can pass as human in day to day life. I mean, this is
0: audio, but I can confirm as I can see you, that you definitely pass as human. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to talk to you about award ceremonies. And you had this chapter called wearing a bloody frock <laughs> buying a bloody frock wearing a bloody wearing frock? a bloody frock yeah. yeah and it made me sort of feel oh god anxious and I think that a lot of it will resonate with a lot of women and you come out broke and broken bloodied <laughs> <laughs> would you be able to um tell the story for anyone that hasn't read
1: the book Yes, so um, I've been very, very lucky to stand near some clever people in my life who've, who have been given awards because they've done something clever while I stood near them. And for the first few times, I didn't go purely for the reason that I thought I can't stand the pressure of wearing a dress and and high heels and and trying to look like you're supposed to look so i would not would never go and my friends would all sort of text you know if say the emmys was on or something and sort of say what are you wearing and i text one year i was because of the time difference i texted back um, my pajamas and a sweaty boy because my son had a fever and was doing that thing children do when they're of just basically lying on your face for some reason I don't know and then all all my friends gave me such a hard time about um you know not going along to these things so so that one year I thought well I'm you know I'm going to go and I'm going to try and do the whole thing so I was advised to as I would never wear a smart dress again i was advised to go and rent a dress and i found this website uh that said a dress uh, we have a dress for everyone for every occasion i thought fantastic so i went along to this very smart place and it was like a hideous anxiety dream because basically four very attractive young women stood outside a changing room while I came out in increasingly fluffy, uncomfortable dresses. And they all just, they started off trying to be kind of encouraging and polite. But as time went on, they they just became more and more sort of depressed. And eventually, after about an hour and a half of kind of struggling into various scratchy frocks, They just kind of said, yeah, I don't I don't think we have anything for you and walked me to the door. So I I always mean to look at the website and see if it says a dress for everyone except Georgia. So then uh, I was sort of walking miserably away and I passed a a fancy shop and saw a dress in the window. I thought I actually like that dress and can imagine wearing it. So I rushed in and asked to try it on and I went downstairs to what turned out to be the sort of bridal area, which was white carpet on the floors and walls. I I didn't know that was a thing. And then I think the anxiety of the whole situation brought on this
0: (laughs) tremendous
1: nosebleed, which is my way of expressing emotion as a sort of repressed uh, middle-class, middle-aged woman. That's my chosen way of expressing extremes of emotion. Um, and I managed to sort of mop everything up before she returned and just went, I'll have it, I'll have it, and then, of course, it was an amount of money that I hadn't even heard said out loud before, but I was too uh, miserable um, and too embarrassed to kind of uh, say no, so I bought it, and I did manage to attend the ceremony in, in that and some very uncomfortable shoes. Do you still have the dress? I do, yes, yeah.
0: Does it trigger profound trauma when you look at
1: it? <laughs> it triggers a number of things, but um, yeah, it's it's just a sort of very expensive reminder of, of the kind of person I am not. But, you know, I, I gave it my best shot and um can't say fairer than that.
0: Would you mind describing that dress as well?
1: Well, well yes i can
0: describe it very
1: badly it is sort of black and red a bit lacy short kind of poofs out in different degrees at the bottom
0: would have you ever worn it again no <laughs> <laughs> i'm very guilty of a one thirty a.m shop which mm. i actually did last night
1: Oh, did you? So you yeah. had to
0: be the woman who had green trousers.
1: Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> I can see that,
0: yeah. Um, you're As I said, you're being very humble, but to, to people that are listening, like, George is very successful. So award ceremonies, you have been to a few and one. Um yeah. Have you ever had a, a, an award ceremony look where you thought, like, I really nailed it?
1: Well, the... The last one that I went to, actually virtually, um, I thought was pretty. It was a very odd experience because it was the Emmys again, I think, or was it the Golden Globes? Anyway, but but because of the pandemic, we couldn't travel. So it, this was the Succession writers. So what we had to do is go to a hotel room at like two a.m. because of the time difference and sit there watching the ceremony until like 5 or 6 a.m. and that was very bizarre because you were you were sort of being looked at but you weren't around other people it felt very it, i we thought we might be in an episode of black mirror because we were told that we were part of this ceremony but we didn't really know if we were and I went and had a suit made for me by this woman who makes suits for women. It was fantastic. Uh, I, th- I kind of thought, yeah, I think I I think I might be along the right lines now.
0: And as that kind of sums up what I want to do with this podcast, which is like, when there are certain things that when you put on, you feel different. And mm. I think a suit is definitely one of those whenever I do, I mean, I still feel like this kind of nobody, scruffy, really insecure girl from Hampshire. And as soon as I put on um, a suit, I feel mm-hmm. it, it has a certain authority to it. And it's cool.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Could,
0: would you be able to describe the suit as well, please? Oh, my
1: God. The the woman who made, made it is going to kill me because I won't do it justice. But it's of course it's blue because I just always wear blue. Um, but it has very faint sort of a pinky check and a very bright pink lining, which I liked. And then the trousers are a kind of a bit short and tapered. And, yeah, it's, it was really nice. I love it. I might have to go and get another one made. Tell um, me that you've
0: worn that again.
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, you see? Perfect.
0: What would you wear if you were going on a date night?
1: Would you wear a suit? No, I don't think so. No. Um, I've been with the same person for 21 years, so I can't really remember date nights. <laughs> oh. It's changed, hasn't it? I'm told by my friends. I mean, it's all, you've already spent hours online before you even meet up, so you don't get that sort of blind date excitement anymore
0: i want that i want offline <laughs> real life meet cute somewhere so it's yeah. exhausting because it means i can't even go to tesco without looking
1: <laughs> you've watched too, too many sandra bullock movies i can i can diagnose you immediately
0: <laughs> and my friends say this flat looks like a nancy myers flat like <laughs> it's so cute <laughs>
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: would you be able to explain a bit about what the book is about because you all do it so much better than me particularly the adventures in anxiety which is why I'm really passionate about people hearing about it because for the fellow catastrophizers and (laughs) panickers and existential crisis specialists I would love to just for you to say a bit about
1: what it's about. Someone suggested to me a few years ago that I should write my memoir and I said in no uncertain terms that I would never ever be doing that. Um, (laughs) So it's with some embarrassment that I say that my mess is a bit of a life is a memoir. And I suppose for my whole career, I've been writing scripts, which I love. And that's a very kind of good thing. If you're an anxious person or a shy person, that's a great way um to work because you can literally hide behind your lines you're you're literally putting words in other people's mouths you know it's interesting talking about clothing because I think particularly women hide themselves in so many ways they they pick clothes that hide them I've actually got quite short hair at the moment but I used to have a lot of curly hair that I hid behind and you know, you hide behind a persona as well, don't you? A a sort of cheerful, positive, I can handle anything kind of persona. Uh, But actually, deep down, I was this neurotic mess who was, you know, had been worrying about things since I was a child. So I I really didn't intend to write a memoir, but I did sort of think, oh, well, you know, I'll write about my childhood because I've got Quite a bad memory, and I'll, I might forget soon if I don't write it down. And I just found it really sort of cathartic and helpful. And I think, you know, when you're muddling your way through the chaos of life, you can be really hard on yourself and think, Oh, I should be a better person, woman, writer, mother, whatever it is. And then when you start writing it down and looking back, I think you feel a little bit more compassion the person you are and were and 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 how you sort of tried to make sense of things and so it was it was interesting from that point of view
0: when you when you're going through a particularly anxious time or you know like we all have our struggles with mental health when you are struggling do you find that your approach does your commitment to getting dressed and self-care does that kind of start to slip or do you like march on? Let's keep like normal, you know.
1: Yes, no. I must say that doesn't. I think partly because I'm a bit OCD. I'm I'm very clean. <laughs> I like cleanliness, and I'm a, I'm quite a germaphobe. So finally, the rest of the world has caught up with me, and and I can use my anti bacterial gel with gay abandon now and don't have to i used to sort of try and do it surreptitiously and now it's all completely fine to do those kind of things yeah i still wash i still get dressed i think um and i think what really helps me is writing people sometimes say is it hard to write comedy when you're depressed or sad and actually i think it really saves me it's something creative and productive and um I find it a real sort of lifeline, but definitely other things go by the wayside. And I think I really—I mean, the nighttime is is tough, isn't it? If you're not sleeping, and if you if you've already bought your green trousers, then you're just left alone with your t- terrible self doubt and self loathing, and that's hard. And I think I've definitely, you know, that sort of sort of overused saying of it will pass does really help me because it's hard at 2am to to imagine feeling any different and uh, but what's incredible is that you do feel different when you wake up and your green trousers arrive the world seems a different place
0: maybe that was the green trousers <laughs> yeah and <laughs> um, yeah it's just very It's hard to believe. You're right. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that it will pass? But you kind of know it will. Yeah. yeah. Same with heartbreak or grief or any of these things. Mm -hmm. In the book, that I'd always imagined that as I emerged into adulthood, my hair would straighten, my legs and fingernails would lengthen, I would develop fashion sense, and I would be able to snap my fingers three times in the way that all cool people do. Nope. (laughs) 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 I think you're cool, but who do you look at? Who do you look at and think? Cool.
1: I think I look at people who are unashamedly them and true to themselves so I think Caitlin Moran is a really good example there are more and more sort of women who are speaking out and living their truth and I think that's so important but she's someone that you know, occasionally you you see someone think, "Oh, I wish I wish you'd been around when I was younger, because that would have made a big difference to me." She's certainly one of those.
0: And you mentioned the fonts, of course, <laughs> earlier. Obviously,
1: <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> a bit of a misogynist, but anyway, yes.
0: But nice leather jacket, nonetheless. <laughs> Lovely
1: jackets, yes.
0: Um, you've gone right back into right at the very beginning, childhood here all the way through to almost now mm. do you feel like a do you feel like a grown up <laughs> now
1: not really no um I, yeah i it's funny isn't it i don't think i i wonder if anyone ever feels like they're a grown up um i yeah i haven't got there yet maybe i i think i'm a strange mixture In fact, I was just, just when I was phoning you, I I put my glasses on. I'm quite a recent glasses wearer and was thinking, are these the glasses I can see through or not? And then I thought, "Mm, that's not a good sign, is it? And that was, I found that really hard when I had to start wearing glasses. For some reason, I struggled with that. And I say in the book, and this sort of sums up really how I feel, which is, I felt like it was a, a sign that I was getting older, which I didn't like. And then when I went to get my glasses, because I have a stupidly small face, I had to choose frames from the children's section. So I was sort of grumbling away to myself, thinking, "Oh God, now I'm both old and a child." And then I sort of uh, I found these frames and said, "I'll just have these ones." And it turned—I thought they were tortoiseshell, but it turned out they were covered in groccolos. I could. I couldn't see. Anyway, that sort of sums up how I feel. And as I get older, I think, oh, God, I'm so old. But I also think that I'm a, a child as well. So I don't know. I, I, and I seem to have missed out on being a grown-up and gone straight from some weird mixture of childhood and old ladiness um, without ever having that moment of kind of confidence that I've, I'm a grown-up.
0: So I could sit here for hours asking you <laughs> questions. I mean, I would like to know if, you're, if you mentioned your boys, if they express any opinion about
1: your clothes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> are they harsh critics? They are quite harsh critics, yes. they. I mean, a sad thing that happens as you get older is that, I don't know if it's a boy thing or, or any children, but they go from just adoring you, it seems, that overnight they go from adoring you to then if they see just a tiny inch of your body naked, not even naked, but just a bit of your leg or arm or stomach, it's like, oh, my eyes, oh, and they're just so repulsed and appalled. So that's pretty sobering. But, yeah, my my older son is very quick to point out that I my clothes are, are very similar to each other. And my younger son has quite strong opinions. His favourite colour is green. He thinks I should wear more green. Um, but, yes, they, it's its interesting when they start to get in on the conversation about what you should be wearing.
0: Well, it's the parent's prerogative to do everything possible to humiliate. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. my only other question uh, is just because we ask ev- everybody, I say, you're the second guest we've had (laughs) um (laughs) so i ask 100 um why do clothes matter
1: i think because they are an expression of ourselves whether we use them as that or we use them to hide that's still expressing something about ourselves and i definitely try and communicate to the world i've got Uh, my many blue jumpers that are you know slightly different shades of blue but they I have a lot of jumpers that say things one of them says anxious one of them says socially inadequate another says feminist killjoy so some you know I'm aware that there are certain days when I'm wanting to tell the world those things but today I'm I'm wearing a rainbowy happy face so um I'm I'm telling the world everything's good, and I think if I ever do do
0: dating apps again, anxious feminist killjoy could be my bio.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good socially inadequate. Don't forget.
0: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Thank you so much, Georgie. You've been I'm so thrilled you could do this, and you've been a wonderful
1: guest. Oh, thank you. It's been a complete pleasure talking to you and I will be in touch next time I have to wear a frock.
0: Thanks to writer Georgia Pritchett and the author of My Mess is a Bit of a Life. Please rate and review Grazia Fashion, Why I Wear It, wherever you get your podcasts.